Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. A fine Saturday matinee to you, Steve Sarmento. Good morning, Pete. How are you on this, well, somewhat cloudy day here in Phoenix, Arizona? Clouds in Phoenix? Yeah. 
Yeah, it must be. Oh, yeah. Steve. What do you do on days like that? What do you do? You get outside and enjoy it. Although we're supposed to have like record heat this weekend again, still in the, the triple digits out here. So, uh, yeah. So you go see the movie. You go you go in the theater, you see the movies. You go to the movies. Exactly. Right. I don't know. And what's out there? We've, uh, in terms of announcements, we've got uh, Predator. We're doing the Predator on the film board tonight. We are recording mm-hmm. that. Yes. Uh, so yes. if you are, uh, if you want to join in the live stream, you can do that. I'd love to have folks listen along, or uh, it'll. I'll drop it in the Patreon feed uh, in the next day or so before it goes live on Tuesday. Have you seen it yet? Oh yeah, the yeah, movie? yeah. Saw it last night. Got out and saw it last night because I got had you know get up early this morning to talk to you about stuff and then other things and i thought i'm not gonna try and cram it in on saturday afternoon so went out and saw it last night so we'll talk about that later today i uh i'm actually part of a of a D group <gasps> you believe it or not believe that or oh not. I, with actually jj is, is oh, also oh man See, I, part of it. I need to get out yeah. there because i i listened to yeah. imaginary worlds and he just did an episode on D D. <laughs> That he's been a part of a game for like three years, and it's just oh, it makes me want to be yeah. part of a group. So bad. I was in college, and uh, yeah, I need to just fly up there every other weekend to to D and D with you guys. It is it is alarmingly fun, uh, and our uh, our DM is uh, exceptionally talented at and truly burying himself in the part. And uh, last night there was a, there was a trial. There was. A, like a mob trial and it was uh, it was hysterical it's just hysterical that is a that is a wildly underrated and underappreciated by the masses uh game in terms of folks who who like those in in really um substantial board games uh experiences you know tabletop yeah. gaming oh yeah i think D is, is it's making a comeback man it's making a comeback I, it, it is uh it's i think it's greatly misunderstood and I think when people play it the first time, one of the, I guess, great revelations they have is that you can just do anything. You yeah. know, you, you, how do you make something happen? You just, you just say it. And, uh, that's right. In college, in our group, my wife, we were dating at the time and she had never played before. And so it's a, it's a bunch of us guys and her. And you know, we've played games before. So she's just, doing stuff and we're looking at the dm like what and he's like yeah why not (laughs) no completely out of the box thinking just like yeah you you can do that we're like well wait a second you're not supposed to be there are no rules there are no rules you you say it you roll some dice and it happens or it doesn't well you know and i i don't know about you but i was um I, i think i was part of the generation that should have really enjoyed D as a kid you know and i and i started playing D D, and then computer games came out yes you yeah. know and and i that's i switched i moved from D straight to the bard's tale which was oh yes know, my, oh yeah on my apple too and and i uh i i played through all of those games i spent hours and hours and hours tens of hundreds of hours playing games like that and um, so I, you know, by all rights, I should have been deeply into D and D and had it been two years earlier, uh, I probably would have been. So this, uh, is, is kind of my first experience as uh, now as an adult and my wife is doing it with oh, me and she was a, excellent. she was a hard sell. 
Oh, she wasn't a hard sell. That's unfair. Um, she did it for me. But last night we're we're sitting there playing. We've been playing for you know I don't know six months or so, uh, and we don't play that often. We'll play for four or five hours once a month. Okay, you know that's, that's a good and. Amount. She comes in, she starts rattling off spells that she needs to pray for the night before. <laughs> and that I have never heard. Like she has actually been studying on her own. Oh, okay. Of her own accord <laughs> the spells that she needs to learn. And I feel like our our marriage took a turn last night as a result of this. Is she a competitive gamer? Is that would you say she's highly competitive when it comes to like I, family tabletop I, games? <sighs> Not, I mean, she's got a competitive, a, a serious competitive streak, but she's okay. an athlete, and oh, and yeah. you know, at her core, she's you know, she likes to win things. Yeah, okay. But yep. you know, she's not she's not one of those who will upend a table. If oh, she doesn't. no, no, no. But she will strategically do what she can to make sure things She'll go. Do it. Yeah, in it her doesn't favor. matter. Oh, yeah. Blood, 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 blood relations tend to go out the window. That's right. When she's playing. that's right. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter that yeah. you're my my youngest child and that this will scar yeah, exactly. you. I am going to destroy you. Yes, yeah, um, we'll rebuild yes. after. <laughs> okay. We have any uh, we have any news to talk about? I I only have one that I'm kind of excited about. Is it is it Apple related? It's not. Mine isn't. I know you're gonna troll me by your no. Uh, I'm I'm not by your I'm, Apple I'm, news. No, I'm not. I'm not trolling you. I'm I'm trolling people that don't understand. Yes, the, the, you are teaching the world. I'm teaching the that world. is your mantle, the, your responsibility. That's right. You you don't own anything, and I guess I yeah. This was a, a came to my attention. Uh, somebody posted or shared this, and it it's a gentleman from Canada that posted a tweet that he was all upset and bent out of shape because Apple deleted a movie that he had purchased from his library. And apparently the the rights, you know, changed and it was no longer available. So it was deleted. And they basically said, here's some credits for renting a movie. And he's all, you know, bent out of shape. And the whole way Apple handled it and customer service maybe could have been better. I don't know. But it gets this, you know, idea of when you purchase digital content and it even not even digital content, because when you buy a movie on blu-ray or dvd you don't really own that you're people don't understand you're buying a license to watch it in that format and so when they take right. it out of the library on itunes yeah it's it's gone and now my my understanding on those blu-ray devices yeah. is that they do phone home at some in some capacity yes. right i mean is that is that not true so when you put a blu-ray in like if i put a blu-ray in my xbox mm -hmm. uh it'll it it phones home for content licensing right i, I believe that's how that that works yeah. I, I believe that's true and yeah. i think there, i mean there are blu-rays that that i mean you there's there are standalone blu-ray players that yeah. aren't, aren't attached to the network but at some point you put a blu-ray in I mean, it, it is i'm just saying is it possible for somebody to deactivate or prevent my blu-ray from playing i know that if i don't have the right kind of direct connection between my blu-ray device and my television uh, it, it will say you're not going to play this because oh, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, because of the the um, copy protection. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you'll put it in, you can't even see it. Is that not the same uh, kind of a kind of a relationship? And I, I, to your point, doesn't that just demonstrate the same thing that we don't own our content? We use it at the will of the copyright holder. Yeah, exactly. And you know you. To say you own something, I have, you know, still in a box somewhere, some VHS tapes. And it's like, well, if I don't have the ability to play them because now the, the mechanism for me to access that content 
no longer exists. You know, there's, there's, well, you could maybe head out to Goodwill or something and pick up a, a VCR if you can find one. Uh, but I, I remember with, in the transition from VHS to DVD, I had a conversation with a friend about this and I was explaining, you know, he was upset that oh, I'm going to have to, you know, buy my movies again. He's like, you know, this, this seems like the, it's just a money making scheme. And then we started talking about the licensing thing. He's like, well, if I buy a license, when I buy it on VHS, can't I, can't I just upgrade my license? And I'm like, well, yeah, basically that's what you're doing for, you know, whatever 17 or a fee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, well, but, but shouldn't it just be a couple dollars? And I said, well, I think the way they get around that is if you look at what's on your VHS copy and you look at all the other bonus features, you're licensing in a completely different version of, of content. It's got all this extra stuff. You've got commentary and bonus scenes and all that. So I said, legally, I think they can get around it that way, that it's not licensing the exact same thing. Um, it's, it's entirely different collection of content sure and the idea that you know you you're you're paying to access this stuff uh i think we're gonna we're gonna see more and more of these i remember when kindle uh first came out uh, there was a gentleman that had bought a book through you know amazon on, on his kindle and it was in the mm-hmm. early days it was in the wild west of of kindle and someone had uploaded a copy i think it was something it was some type of classic piece of literature and whoever had put it up there for sale didn't actually own the rights to be selling it so when amazon found out they they pulled it down and he went to his kindle and he had been using this book for a class and had all these notes and he went in and his notes were there but the text was no longer there and he was all you know like upset like i bought this book and they're like well we had to basically take it back because there was that person legally didn't have the right to to sell that to you it's like selling stolen goods basically so it's gonna be reclaimed uh so again it's it's i think the transition from buying physical versions of things and digital versions there's still a a big learning curve for the general public on what it is you're actually buying and until we sort of all get on board or maybe there's a little bit more transparency in what you're actually buying you know i think that's right but i also think that there's a lot to learn on behalf of the purveyors of those goods and i don't remember how the amazon thing worked out but you know just saying that here's a um, you know here's a refund or uh here's here are a couple of rental credits uh, as they did in the Canadian iTunes um, kerfuffle, is not a, it's not enough when you're upset that someone just stole your stuff. Yes. You know, um, you know, if someone comes and steals my bike and somebody allows me to rent an e-scooter for a couple of hours, it's not the same thing. Uh, and and that's frustrating. And that is the that's the part that I think uh, is is almost more frustrating than having it taken in the first place is how these companies are reacting when it comes time to actually make good on the fact that they didn't have the license to sell the goods in the first place yes. or they don't have the license anymore. So and, and on behalf of the people who uh, are making the decisions about, about what movies go in and out of the catalog. Right. Can you imagine Disney coming along at, to all of those previous iTunes movie purchases? of Marvel and Disney movies and say, you know what, we've decided every movie that you have that you, quote, purchased in your iTunes library, we're going to put back in the Disney vault. Surprise! (laughs) Right? That would be terrible. Somebody in that company has heretofore made the smart decision not to return those movies to the vault, but they could. Some idiot could step into that role and decide they're going to do that. And, you know, they, they need to make those decisions in a in a consumer friendly way and and that's one of the things that i think these smaller publishing houses maybe are not doing yet uh and that's frustrating 
Oh, yeah. And when it comes to availability of content, uh, John August started a little project this summer uh, about you know not being able to find movies. And it started with uh, not being able to find a copy streaming or digitally of the 1984 film The Flamingo Kid with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Dillon. And you couldn't find it to stream, rent, or purchase online, and just started compiling a list. And now a lot of his, you know, listeners on his podcast, and I guess they're compiling this huge database of several thousand movies that are just not available. Uh, oh, uh, I guess somebody put a list together. They went back to 1999, and I guess it's, I'm sorry, it's not thousands, of a, of a group of about 4,000 titles about 120 can't be streamed, rented, or purchased digitally. So it's just oh, like yeah. it it was in theaters. It may have been briefly available on, on disc or whatever, but now it's gone and you can't find it. And at least with digital media, you can sometimes find it through, you know, like secondhand, you know, sales. I, I have a copy of DVD of, of one of my favorite uh, comedies. Uh, from the late 90s, Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is this sort of, you know, comedic documentary style thing about a beauty pageant. And I think it's in Minnesota and it's got like Ellen Barkin and Kirstie Alley and Denise Richards. And it's hilarious, but it's out of print on DVD. You can't buy new copies. It's not out there. So you have to find a used one. I don't believe it's available on streaming. And so you, there's we're going to have a generation of of lost films out there. Because there's nobody really curating or managing the rights on these things. And you'll have people that worked on projects, it was out there briefly, and then they just disappear. They're gone. Well, and it's unfortunate because we have such really effective distribution mechanisms now. Like, we need to come to terms with this back catalog. I mean, it takes me back to the days before, you know, VHS, when you go to a movie and you really have to ready yourself for the fact that as you sit down in the theater, this may be the only time in your life you're ever going to see this movie because there was no expectation of a rental market that didn't exist. That's true. You know, yeah. maybe, you know, I've got some reel to reels of, uh, you know, <laughs> of some old <laughs> cartoons, but uh, but yeah. it's it, yeah. it was a hard thing to do. And and so, um, you know, some of these movies, these cherished, wonderful movies, that's, you know, we, we have the tools to do this. If we can have the content creators and the rights holders make some smart decisions about making them happen. It's an expensive process. I know I know there is an expense to it, but it's not, uh, yeah. you know, it's not like you have to release a director's cut of every movie. Just put it out there. Uh, so anyhow, um, I, I just have one note, which is uh, Purvis and Wade reportedly are back on bond 25 and the language they're using post Danny Boyle's replacement is they're back to rescue it. I had briefly sort of seen that that? come across my newsfeed. I didn't dig deep into it, but Oh, I I just, I don't know what to do with bond with with that franchise. I think that it was a, the, the Daniel Craig sort of relaunch of that got me very excited. And I, it's, it's feeling like it's it's it needs to be reinvented again. So perhaps this is what it's going to take uh, to do that again. I think the what audiences are looking for has has changed, and Bond is a, a character, and we'll see how he ages in into the twenty first century as a as a character. Uh, but I, I hope they're able to to rescue it. Uh, I, I you know am glad that that's I guess. The terminology being used that there's a sense of this was going in the wrong direction. We can turn this around and save it. 
Yeah, I, I worry a little bit that we're saving it from what? I mean, it was Danny Boyle. <laughs> I think we were we were excited about him, too, weren't we? I was. Oh, uh, yes. I I think that would have been interesting. But uh, yeah, I Danny Boyle's in a, sort of he's hit or miss for me yeah. lately. So, yeah, well, I I, uh, I think it's exciting uh, to have these guys back on that. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm on the record. These uh, Daniel Craig bonds are my favorite bonds and he is my favorite bond. Uh, and I stand by that. And so before you start talking again, I'll say we should probably do trailers. We should do trailers. Did you see what I did there? I changed the subject well, you, dramatically and quickly. You, you changed it dramatically and yeah. shut me down. I did. I, you, you down. Don't I don't even, even know what your perspective is. <laughs> shut up. Doesn't matter. Trailer. Boom, I don't want to hear it. La, la, la. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Did you did you decide because it was well here's my trailer well no now I want to do this one too I and then did I never... decide yes I did and I okay. decided uh, to do one that wasn't a teaser uh, okay. I was excited about the okay. teaser but uh, but I ended up doing uh, a the the new Coen Brothers movie uh, that that apparently is coming um, day and date in select theaters and Netflix at least in the U S uh, and that is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. <laughs> this, uh, it's, I, I was very excited when I saw this, the, this trailer. Uh, the cast is amazing. The tone is so very Coen's. Um, you know, it, it fits right into my expectation after we did the Coen series uh, on this show. I, it, it has a lot of the things I really love about the Coens. Uh, James Franco, Liam Neeson, David Crumholtz. David Crumholtz. I love David Crumholtz. Clancy Brown, Brendan Gleeson, Zoe Kazan, Harry Melling, Stephen Root. Yo, Stephen Root. Uh, is that Tom Waits is in this. What happened to Tom Waits? Well, he's in Coen Brothers movies. Tyne Daly is in this movie. Uh, yeah. It, it, Tim Blake Nelson, of course, as Buster Scruggs uh, in the, uh, I, I don't know, annoyingly likable uh, heroic character, I think. Uh, so, uh, and Saul Rubinek. Saul Rubinek. <laughs> yes. Uh, I my sense is that as a ballad, this is an anthology movie because all of the credits, the character credits in IMDb, uh, refer to the actors and and the characters they play in their segments. Right, so okay. we have uh, Saul Rubinek is in the segment "The Mortal Remains." Buster Scruggs, uh, Tim Blake Nelson is in the segment "The Ballad of Buster Scruggs." Uh, but we also have segments "The Meal Ticket" or "Near Algodones" or. Uh, the gal who got rattled. Uh, and so we have all of these sort of chapters, which makes me feel, again, this is a very Cohen uh, sort of a feeling film. Um, I, uh, I I got myself kind of worked up about it when I went over to IMDb and saw the six star IMDb rule. This movie just barely skates over the six star IMDb rule. It's a 6.3 right now off of very few votes. I mean, 220 people have seen this movie so far. I don't know where it... Uh, uh, where it initially premiered, uh, I think Venice and then New York and London um, uh, over the course of this year so far. So, you know, take that for what, what it's worth. But uh, it is New Cohen's. It has a great looking tone, Western, incredible cast. What do you think? I think it is very Cohen-esque. I, I love that the tone of this is just so different from their other westerns but they're still going to say 
you know, Joel and Ethan Cohen that brought you True Grit and No Country for Old Men, which are nothing like this tonally. This yeah. is they're they're back to the wacky zany comedy. Oh brother, uh, feel. This is oh, oh brother. brother, this yeah. is definitely oh brother. So I I am concerned. Uh, I know they always deliver quality. I always enjoy their work. This apparently was originally going to be a six like part series and it got smushed down into a feature length film. So I don't know if that was something that was the concept was originally these, you know, anthology series. And then at some point along, you know, production Hopefully not after filming. We didn't edit this down into a film, but somewhere through production, it was realized this is going to work best just as a feature film rather than six separate, you know, episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that does give me some concern when you, you make a big shift like that. Of this is going to be, you know, a series. Maybe each episode was twenty, thirty minutes. Uh, now yeah. we're we're condensing it down, and uh, we'll see. But I I love the look of this. It's what I would expect from them. It drops on Netflix on November 16th, so um, it's a strong candidate for birthday movie for me, but I usually like to hit the theaters, so it it better be in a select theater near me. That's all I have to say. It better, Steve. Select theater, you know it's going to be limited to New York and L.A. Why you got to bring me down like that? Well, this just gives you a reason to take a birthday trip down to L.A. (laughs) Noted. All right, I'll book tickets. What's yours? (laughs) Uh, what did I do? I, I, I did something. I, I had heard about this, um, film and it's, it's one that I'm intrigued by. I, it's not something I would normally say, oh yeah, I'm so excited to see this. Uh, this is called wildlife. And this is the story of a boy who witnesses his parents' marriage falling apart after his mother finds another man. So one of these, you know, family, you know, tales of, drama and trials and from the point of view of uh of the the son uh, but there's something about the look of this film that just completely drew me in and then as i learned a little bit more about it that this is the first film directed by actor paul dano who we've talked about on you know film board on prisoners he's you know uh there will be blood he uh co-wrote this or i guess adapted this it's based on a, a novel uh but co-wrote this with his partner zoe kazan they are a real life couple and they both adapted this and it is his first film starring jake gyllenhaal and carrie mulligan but it just looks gorgeous there are, it, he knows how to shoot a film or he's found somebody that knows how to shoot a film uh with his guides this just looks beautiful it is an interesting look at you know, sort of mid mid twentieth century life, growing up and parents dealing with you know the challenges of being a couple. Uh, I can't say why this is you know of high interest to me because there's there's nothing that stands out other than this looks like an amazing cast and it looks beautiful and that's all I needed to pick it this week uh, is something that I think will be uh, probably overlooked in theaters. I'll. JJ, I'll, I'm 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 seeding our future trailer rewind picks with this one because uh, <laughs> I have a feeling this is one. It, it looks it looks like it should be Oscar, you know, garnering Oscar attention. Uh, it it may. It's got a limited release, October nineteenth, uh, which gives me the idea that it's going to get limited release out there for the Oscar window, and it's going to 
disappear unless it really connects with audiences. And I don't know if this is the type of story that people are really hungry for right now. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of nostalgia, but again, when you're dealing with, you know, family drama and parents arguing and splitting up, uh, to me, it's not the most, uh, compelling, you know, going to draw an audience in by the, by the thousands type of film, but we will see. Well, predictably, it's, uh, it, you know, I agree with everything you just said, especially it's not really going to draw me to the theater to see it. I, this is, I don't go to, to movies like this typically. I'll wait and see them, you know, see them at home, uh, you know, where I can really let loose. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I yes. just go crazy with, <laughs> with all of the feels. And uh, this is one of those movies that, that I immediately, like you could just feel the tone uh, wash over you that this is not a movie I'm going to go pay to see in the theater with other people. It makes me feel bad. And I don't like going to movies for that. Uh, yes. So um, I, I will say, my goodness, Carrie Mulligan, uh, she brings her A game. Uh, Justin, oh, what yes. you see in this trailer, this is this looks like it's a performance for uh, for the ages for her. So uh, I look forward to seeing what she what she delivers here. When's it hit? October nineteenth. October nineteenth. Nineteenth. Yes. All right. So All just right. about a month away. We'll, yeah, we'll see. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, we'll in the spring we'll probably pick it up on streaming uh, for a trailer rewind. With that, Steve, we have a list. <laughs> Now, Boy, do we have a list. I'm I, my, <laughs> I checked last night, and it looked like we were at uh, great final battles to go in line with our. Um, it, it was up. It was up by one, and then I thought, "Oh, I haven't voted. Can I make my vote count? And make this a tie? No, I'll just go with what the people want. I will go with <laughs> what the battles. people want. <laughs> well, that's noble of you. <laughs> that's big of you. Uh, we. Um, yeah, final battles. This goes in line with uh, what we, we talked about last week, which was or this week, which was battle for the Planet of the Apes, the final in the Apes series that we have been uh, moving our way through over the last month. Uh, I know there's a lot of relief out there for for some folks who who weren't huge Apes fans, but I had a good time with it. I was disappointed in the way this movie wrapped up. Uh, the big final battle uh, was a, a bit of an anemic experience, and so we thought we would do. Uh, a, a great list of final battle movies, or final battles in movies uh, that that uh, really excite us. So, what, how did you uh, approach this? You wanna you wanna take the lead? Well, I I tried at first to stick with. Well, this is the the culmination of this entire franchise and this this big final battle. So, I was trying to think about what is final battle in terms of just ending everything there's there's nowhere else to go we're we're finishing this this off and we're tying it up and this is the the big story uh, that we're going to finish with this battle and i i just said no i it's too restrictive so i i thought well what are some that, that could be classified as like iconic final showdown type moments um so i was i was trying to dig around through those things uh in my searching i came across something Long lost and forgotten, which is the uh, the cartoon, uh, the ultimate showdown. I don't know if you remember that from about <laughs> ten years ago. And I said that that is the iconic battle that you need, you know, the ultimate showdown. Uh, but I ended up just trying to think of some of my favorites of big battles that really stood out to me, or I just 
has strong place in my memory, iconic, or if it was something I saw in the theater of just like, wow, this really, you know, felt like a powerful moment. So Mm -hmm. I I don't think there's going to be any steals on this list because I'm, I'm all over the place, honestly, with this. I, uh, I thought I would end up all over the place. And I think what I ended up bringing is a trio of films that are totally predictable to what you would think of my favorite movie. So we'll see. Uh, uh, do you want to go ahead and start? Sure. Sure. I will. I will start. And I guess this one, I can say that it ties in with final battles because it has the word last in the title. So again, that there is nothing further than that. It's, it's the last, right? There's, there's no more to go. Well, possibly. And honestly, I wish, I wish there was more to the story because I think there's a, there was great potential in this film from the mid eighties, the last Starfighter. Ah, Steve. That, that's not a steal. That can't be a steal. That's it's, not a steal. No, it's not a steal. That was a, <laughs> that was a, a sigh of honor. That is, okay. that's a great pick. It does have the last it, in it. And uh, it, uh, it has a cl- place close to my heart. I can't get my kids to watch this movie, though, Steve. It's not one that seems to hold up. <laughs> oh, no, no. We watched it, uh, well, it was several years ago. And then uh, what I think was uh, it's an unexpected Easter egg is at the at the end when he's back sort of at the RV, you know, place and the ship comes down and he's, he comes back to his girl to, to take her. One of the little kids there in the trailer park is actually Will Wheaton. And I think it was, oh. I can't remember if it was Hannah. I remember it was like, is that Will Wheaton? Is that, is that Wesley Crusher? What is he doing there? I'm like, no, that's... <laughs> pre-abduction. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, they, you know, early, early, super early computer graphics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Painful to watch, but still a, a, a great story of, you know, the big confrontation of being the last left after the, the assault on the base. And he's got, he's out there, he's got the last ship and he's got to face down the, the armada with his ship and, uh, with his, what is it? The star flower or whatever, where the ship spins around yeah. shooting missiles. Everything. Just as a kid seeing that was like, yes, this is for so many reasons, a great final battle. Well, I, uh, my, my first pick, uh, my number three pick has a different tone to yours. And this is, we'll, we'll keep in the uh, vein of having something related to Sylvester Stallone. Uh, <laughs> In, in every list that I do right now. Uh, okay. I, I'm talking right. about, uh, and, and I didn't, I didn't love this movie. I didn't love this movie, but in terms of a final battle that, uh, that actually shocked me uh, at the level of gore and violence that they put on screen, uh, I bring to you 2008's Rambo. Uh, this is the, you know, John Rambo goes to, I think it's Thailand. You know, it's uh, there's a uh, he, he joins up with some mercenaries. They go into Burma um, to to rescue some aid workers, and uh, and then he gets a hold of a fifty caliber gun. <laughs> and the final okay. battle consists of John Rambo absolutely turning the rebels into flesh ribbons i mean it is horrifyingly violent it is i mean there are some things in the movie that are violent already leading up to that but watching these bullets tear through these human creatures these meat bags is shocking and horrifying and super super, i just 
I thought, what if the apes had been able to do that? <laughs> what if you had given Caesar a 50 caliber weapon? What would that have looked like? And so I, I offer this pick. It is a seven on the IMDb star rule. Uh, it, it, the movie is not a, a terrible movie if you like these uh, movies, um, but, uh, but it doesn't live up to the original ones. This final battle is disgusting and lives up to the name uh, or, or to the list of uh, great, and I say great in quotes, depending on what you're after, great final battle sequences. Well, it, it won't be the final Rambo. No, you know he's that. coming back. Yeah, he's, he's, he's coming back, which again brings me back to one of my favorite uh, little uh, nitpicky trivia uh, issues I have with the, this entire franchise. And I think I've, I think I've only ever seen First Blood. But you know that the numbering of this whole franchise goes, you know, Rambo. I mean, I'm sorry, First Blood. First Blood. Yeah. Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Right. Then we go Rambo 3. Yeah. There, there's no Rambo 2. There's no Rambo 2. I know. So, And, and now, then what's even funnier is we go, so we go Rambo, First Blood Part 2, Rambo 3, then Rambo, which... Now we're going back. Like, yeah. Now we're going back, and now we're, and the next one is Rambo 5. Right. So... Rambo is going to be retitled Rambo 4, I guess. I don't know, but there's still no Rambo 2. But we have two Rambos. No Rambo 2. A Rambo, I guess we only do odd numbers. And two First Bloods. In this French. Yes. Yeah. Well, First Blood and First Blood Part 2. So at least they got that right. So there's exactly. Rambo, Rambo 3, Rambo, and Rambo 5. Apparently, the even numbers do not exist in the Rambo franchise. If you're a purist, though, there are only two movies in this series. First Blood and First Blood Part 2. Yes. Then you should stop. You really should stop. Anyhow, what's your next pick? Okay, my next pick. Uh, going historical with this one because I think, well, uh, there's something about uh, when we go back in history and we have confrontations. I guess it's just more, more one-on-one -on -one confrontational final battles for me, rather than you know seas of of armies, uh, which can be done quite well. But there's something about two men facing off against each other that uh, worked really well for me in 2000's Gladiator with uh, with Russell Crowe. And I remember seeing this in the theater and this this final battle of Maximus and he's, you know, he, the, the odds are against him because he's basically been, you know, stabbed. He's bleeding out and he's got to, you know, face down the Emperor. I won't say it's like the most dynamic fight choreography ever, but in the context of the movie, it just worked so well for me. One of these, you you want to be cheering, but it's he wins, but he dies. And to, to make that work really well, because it could so easily cliche of oh it's the it's the fight with the big bad and we know how this is going to end it put a twist on that of it's possible for you to win the fight but ultimately lose your life and the way that was managed i thought worked really well for the story for the you know the arc that his character was going to take and so uh, that's that's my second pick wait he dies <laughs> uh i uh, i really love that movie i love that movie because uh the battles start actually start big and the final battle ends up being the mano a mano battle like yes it's, it's a you, you actually feel much more um sort of emotionally connected to the smallest battle in the 
in the movie. It's a great, uh, that's a great pick. Uh, my next one is uh, not uh, mano a mano at all. It is the final ride sequence uh, in Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road brought back everything that uh, we ended up loving about uh, the original movies and more of it with such a brilliant use of color uh, and uh, grit and uh, just masses of practical stunts and explosions and uh, all of the great, great things you want to see in a Mad Max movie. And they brought it back in spades in this final uh, final run of vehicles careening in and out of one another. And this these storms, I mean, it was just a uh, it was just mayhem on screen. And I adored every minute of it. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, I, I, I need to watch this movie every couple of months. Uh, it, it calls to me. You're you're breaking Andy Nelson's rule number seven for lists. You realize I don't see Andy here. I don't see him. I don't see you. See him? Okay. I don't see him. He didn't show. He didn't show. You want to drop a rule? You got to show. You got to show to the game. Okay. Uh, we don't do movies that you talked about on the show. Yeah. 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 I don't see Andy. <laughs> no, that's a great. No, it's. <laughs> It's a great pick. No, that that I, I love this movie as well. And I, I am torn. Uh, you know, what's coming next? Is there is there gonna be another one? Do we need to wait as long between for for, for a really quality, you know, sequel? I know there's a story out there with it. this thing seems stalled and delayed and whether or not we're gonna get another one. And I I would love another one of this quality, but I also am cautiously pessimistic that You're cautiously it, pessimistic? Yes, I. That's I not just, how I, it works, I, man. I know. I just. I'm like, if they do another one, it's. Is it going to disappoint? Is it going to be like, oh yeah, oh that oh, that right. did yeah. not that totally. you know. So, but no, I. Oh, yeah, that that's. I think one of my, in the past few years, one of my favorite movie going experiences was seeing this. I went out, to visit Mr. Nelson because they had the deep the D box. Yeah, the seats that are with you know motion controlled and synced with that, and this was the perfect movie for that, and that is one of my top sort of theater going experiences as watching this insanity and being, you know, shaken about. about. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Great pick. I've still never actually seen a movie in D box. I feel like that's missing in my life. Well, you can also, you know, just drop several thousand dollars to get the rig oh, installed get one. in your house. Yeah, yeah you that's can smart. You, you can get, you can get the equipment and they install it under your couch or whatever. And you have to download a, code with the you know has all the motions programmed in you know if you you know i, yeah, I guess this, i would in say the spirit of smart financial yeah. decisions that's that's yeah. yeah. steve thanks for the recommendation oh, yeah. well, <laughs> well I, I think we just need to tell you know steven smart's got his nice home theater out there he needs to upgrade that to dbox and then maybe we can all fly out there and, and visit him for, for a special screening of something that's right and our tickets to scotland as a group would be cheaper <laughs> yes than exactly. his upgrades to his already upgraded <laughs> home theater exactly all right what's your next one? all right okay well this is a film i this is one that i just always like to to bring up because uh i want to make sure people get a chance to see this it's an overlooked film i going to large epic historic battles in this one uh there's some some great moments and i think it's just a film that people need to see and i think you'd will enjoy the final battle in Kingdom of Heaven, Ridley Scott's film with Orlando Bloom, where we've got the uh, final showdown uh, within the, the fort, where you've got the huge army surrounding and Christian, or not Christian Bale, Orlando Bloom, 
with the Christians inside the fortress defending um, and just a huge epic battle. You've got the big siege towers and they're getting toppled and thousands of people, just epic battle. Uh, may not be the greatest ever film, but to me, want to use this opportunity to promote a film that I think has been overlooked and people need to see the director's cut version. I was waiting for you Kingdom to drop that. Yes. Yes. Don't see the theatrical cut. No. Never. No, no, no. Different movies. The, right. Oh, completely different movies. And so I, I think, you know, I, I needed to have <laughs> one big epic battle, uh, you know, large scale armies. And if I'm going to do that, I'm always going to bring this one out. Well, I feel like we just picked movies that are a, a perfect pair for one another. Okay. Uh, because of Orlando Bloom. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. I am picking the final battle in Lord of the Rings, the two towers. That is the uh, battle at Helm's Deep. Oh, yes. yes. And, uh, you know, I, the, we talk about the movie, uh, about all of these movies, and as they get crazier into the Hobbit series uh, about the digital creatures throwing things at digital creatures. I did not get that feeling in this movie. Uh, I think it was incredibly well executed as a big special effects spectacle. Uh, and and I was in it. I was in it intellectually and emotionally. And, um, I, you know, I thought, uh, I thought they just did a, an exceptional job of showcasing this massive, uh, massive battle. It is not the last, I think it fails because it's not the last movie in the series, right? Final battle movies in a series um, and I, I let myself off the hook a little bit, even though there are more Rambo and potentially Mad Max movies to come. I picked final battles there that, uh, you know, are, are final so far. It's all we've got today. Lord of the Rings, obviously, there's more final battling, but I just like Helm's Deep better uh, than, um, you know, the, the final battles in the return of the King. Uh, and so, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a stick with it. No, oh, that's fine. Cause rules. Cause we're, he's we're not going. here. We don't, don't need rules. Him. We don't need no, Andy I, here to drop no. pedantic <laughs> rules on us about what we can love. <laughs> no, this was one that I, it came across and I said, ah, but it's not, it's not the, the final, you know, within this three film, you know, arc, mm-hmm. it's not the, the, the big battle, but it is, I think everyone will agree. This is the battle of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. This is the, the most memorable. It is the pinnacle of what was accomplished in terms of large scale combat and battles. And it, I think it just still holds up. What did we like? What is this like 15, 16 years later? Yeah. 2002, uh, still, I think. you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it still just holds up so well. Just so well. The, the choreography of everything, just how that was shot keep you oriented when you're in just an epic battle and all the storylines going on now peter jackson was at his peak with i I think so you know the way they the way they built intensity leading up to this particular battle i think is is uh unique in the series uh because there was a there was a narrative direction that actually led to the battle that was beyond just uh armies clashing you know and and i uh, I, I really appreciated that. I appreciated what we were, what what they gave us in in this, and I think it was unique potentially in the in the series of books too, right? I mean that, or in the, um, you know, I should say the the book. Um, yes. 
uh, too. And and so yeah, it it stands out for me. There you go, Battle of Helm's that's Deep. A, that's the way to finish. You know, yeah. last last week it was what is the the ultimate you know training montage. Here we got this is the ultimate final battle. There we go. Even if it's not final, Even it doesn't matter. Andy, stop. Stop. <laughs> I can see you rolling your eyes right now. Just stop. This is the biggest final battle. There we go. Now And now I'm going to be Andy. No, no. You can do whatever you want in your rule set. <laughs> I live by different rules. <laughs> Andy, we miss you. If you would come back, this would be, we'd be, we would be able to work this out. Uh, next week. Oh, dear. The movie is Targets, and it kicks off our series of crime films of 1968. Have you ever seen Targets? I have not, but I, I have to say I wasn't even aware this movie existed. But I, as I'm reading about it, uh, I, I need to see this movie. I think this is you know something that there's so many forgotten films from you know certain decades where it's just you, you look at a specific year and you, you look at you know best picture and all these you know classics and there's a lot of really quality films that sort of fall between the cracks and for me this i think is one of them i don't know anything about it but well i i regret okay. that um because i feel like in order to talk about it for our list next week we sort of you got to spoil it. Well, I mean, do you? Because I, I went in cold. I had never seen it. Andy had never seen yeah. it. Andy already knew what it was about. He'd read about it. I did not. I just turned it on, absolutely cold, and uh, and didn't know anything about it. It's uh, and and it's it's pretty grim. But in terms of making a statement of the time, uh, that is held up for you know fifty years, uh, this is a strong film. Uh, comes from director Peter Bogdanovich, and it's a. Uh, it's oof. Uh, it's a tough one. Uh, it is about a guy who. Uh, well, it, it, there are two stories that kind of run in parallel. Uh, one of them is a story of an aging horror actor played by Boris Karloff, as who is an aging horror actor. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and it's really this kind of wonderfully anodyne story about him trying to retire and trying to be you know trying trying to just get out of the movie business and stop making these horror films because horror has changed for him you know it's like it's just kids aren't interested in the kind of monster movies i used to do sort of a thing the other story is uh, a, a vet comes home and he's got a uh, lovely wife and he it looks like they live he lives with his uh, they live with his parents and it's uh, just a, a nice uh, sort of suburban lifestyle in the late 60s and uh he ends up losing it and gets a lot of guns and goes out and kills a lot of people and uh, and it's the 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 movie tells a story of those things coming together so okay. uh, it, it's it, it was an incredibly powerful film for me and uh, so you know you look at you're, you're you're spoiled by just looking at the plot keywords right i mean i'm yeah. sure you're You've you've well, already. There, I, I see. There's 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 guns. I see lots of guns. Yeah. And yeah. And dragging a dead body. So yeah. Movies movies where a dead body is dragged. Yeah. Uh, was thinking there's also uh, <laughs> dragging dead bodies. Uh, well, if you if you want to focus on the if if we have these two stories, then yeah. To me, that makes sense. Of we need perhaps, something that represents each. Yes, so I think you need something that represents each, and then something 
I'll leave it to you for for the third because you know without perhaps spoiling or giving away too much if you can find something in the middle. Uh, but I think yeah maybe you know if we've got a story of uh, an aging horror actor I mean we could we could talk about you know maybe a generation feeling out of place you know or mm-hmm. you know different you know thinking about people that have become disillusioned with their careers. Oh, okay. All right. That's a there's a wide open uh yeah. field there. There you go. Okay. Career disillusionment. Career disillusionment and then uh I guess you've got the whole maybe it's, you know, post, you know, war PTSD type of or, or coming home stories, uh military coming home stories. There's there's plenty of those as uh-huh. well, I think. That's good. And then in and the then middle, patricide. Uh, <laughs> dragging dead bodies. Dragging uh, dam- dead damsel bodies. in distress. Oh, oh c- cigarette smoking. Cigarette smoking. We don't see enough of that. That would be challenging. Oh, geez. Uh, I was thinking about movies that are uh, that where the climax is set at a drive-in movie theater. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> drive-in movies. Uh, drive-in movies and movies. Drive-in um, movies and movies. Oh, movies with, with movies within a movie. People going to see a movie in a movie. Movies in a movie. Okay. Movies in a movie. I get. I don't know if it, because it, that that actually ties into the horror, you know, actor storyline. So you've got movies and then things happening at a drive-in. So movies where there's you know a movie that's in there, and I guess it would have to. But be you're saying it doesn't necessarily have to be in a drive-in movie. No, and it has to be something more significant than somebody walked past a TV that happens to have some, you know, a movie on it. I mean, it should be a little bit more integrated into the plot or character pieces. A little oh, bit. I got it. I think that's a. I think that's great. I think there are okay. some great opportunities uh, for that. So we'll get. Uh, let's do career dissolution movies, uh, and uh, post-war coming home stories, and movies and movies movies. There we go. Movies and movies, <laughs> movies, movies, movies. <laughs> That's uh, well. I I have my pick already in in mind. Okay. So there you go. Good list. Now, are you going to bring the Woody Allen to this list? You might be able to bring the Woody Allen to this list if you I, think about it. Uh, I don't know. Is there a triple crown? If if I come up with one movie that has all three of these in it. <laughs> Does that mean I only just get to pick one movie and I win? Okay, throw it on the gauntlet. Go ahead and say, take that, take that, Andy. You and your rules. I'm going to break them all. I'm bringing, one through my three. pick is one thing. <laughs> yes. It's just Woody Allen. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, uh, good pick. Thank you, Steve. Uh, pleasure yes. to talk to you this fine Saturday morning. And I will talk to you later this Saturday evening because we've got a film board and hopefully we'll have uh, some listeners yeah. uh popping in for some pre-show discussion because i always enjoy interacting with our listeners and, and hearing their perspective on things so i'm too. really That's... hoping we get some some people to to turn out for this because i think this one will have some interesting discussion about what happens with the predator i uh so we kick off that conversation at 7 30 u.s pacific time uh for international listeners kick up the google machine i don't have it on the top of my head but 7 30 p.m u.s pacific that is today saturday so I uh, hope to hope to talk to you guys later. 7:30. Thanks everybody. Thanks Steve. Bye. Hundo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. 
Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. 